All right, guys, if you didn't pick up on my enthusiasm from last week's episode, I absolutely love Print Status. It's a local business in the greater Los Angeles area. Print Status is your one-stop shop for all of your printing needs. They can screen print t-shirts as well as DTG. If you want die-cut stickers or embroidery, they got you. Print Status has you covered. In fact, I used to work for the owner, Don Lumbera, so I have firsthand experience with what print status brings to the market. Phenomenal. Don and his small staff of professional designers will take amazing care of your printing needs. They will also offer their professional recommendations for your designs and give you the best deal possible. Because they are a small operation, you can be confident that their customer service will be personal and will be attended to in a timely manner, knowing that you are working with an actual person and not just an automated response center. So, for your next printing need, both large and small, you can check them out on Instagram at printstatus.co or on the web at printstatus.co and let them know that you heard about Print Status from us. And of course, speaking of another local businesses, you know, I love to support local businesses. And I've been talking for a while now about the amazing family owned coffee shop, Corridor Flow, located in the city of Lomita, California. Corridor Flow truly is one of the best coffee shops in the South Bay, arguably top tier in the Los Angeles area. They only use premium beans, so you know their specialty coffee is top notch. Their service is caring and personable, and they have an amazing outdoor space where you can carefully meet up with a friend or post up to get some work done. The crew at Corridor Flow will definitely take care of you. So the next time you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure to check out Corridor Flow. You can find them on Instagram at Corridor underscore Flow or order your drink online at CorridorFlow.com and make sure you try their smooth and sweet cold brew coffee, especially with the weather slowly heating up. Corridor Flow, coffee, community, create. With that said, let's get at it. Welcome to The Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Yup, yup. Welcome back to yet another episode of the amazing Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast. That's right. I said amazing, and you should be proud of your work, of which I am. My name is Derek Angor from Torrance, California. We got from Cerritos, California, we got Christian Mendoza. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. And from Strong Beach, California, 562, we got Kevin Horton. Who's he? <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Caught me off guard. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, that's that's Kevin's role, man. That's he, Kevin's he's role. Doing it pretty good. That's right. That's right. That that that's uh, voice over acting at its finest, right there, throwing us off guard. And I love it. I love it. I never do that. <laughs> and if y'all didn't know. Kevin is the voice of the Breathe podcast. He is the intro man every single week. So if for some reason he is super sick and he doesn't make a recording, you will still hear his voice because he is the official voice of the Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast. How y'all doing, Kevin? Let's start with you. How you guys doing, Kevin? What's new this week for you? I'm just breathing. <laughs> Good. I'm really glad to hear that you're breathing. <laughs> just doing awesome. Good. That's good. How about you, Chris? Uh, man, I'm just doing great. I'm just real thankful for what's going on. I mean, uh, we're just coming from a pure and genuine place and we're kind of getting rewarded and people are starting to listen. And yeah, I'm just really glad. I'm really happy and really thankful. Yeah, it's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to. How about you? <laughs> the reason why I'm chuckling is because, so for those of you listening, so Carrie's episode from last week and Mike's episode today that we're doing, we recorded them back to back. And so I'm thinking about the future. <laughs> so I'm thinking about how, how am I going to be a week from now? <laughs> Me too. I was like, oh. send money, send money, please. These people are going off their rockers and I, I just need help. Oh, oh help. but in the future I'm doing, I'm doing fabulous, Chris. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Hey, hey, let's start. Let's start off with a cool, uh, cool uh, icebreaker. Let's do it, man. Let's do it before I okay, go, so, go too so, far yeah. off. 
So it's the first time that the Lakers and the Dodgers have won a championship yeah. right? since 1988, right? And so you guys have a, a, a name, an unsung Laker or a Dodger who you feel doesn't get enough credit over the past the past few years. I mean, let's start with you, Kevin. You have a Dodger or a Laker that who you like that you believe doesn't get just due respect. Ben Scully. Really? And why would you say that? Because. And why do you- you wouldn't need a television back then. You yes. wouldn't need a television. You wouldn't need anything but his voice. And I don't know That's how true. he could figure out all those stats, all those things, because I don't know if you know, you you probably do know, in his headphones, it wasn't just him talking. He could, he could probably hear the director screaming at somebody else, and they saying, you got 30 seconds, and how he could stay so calm mm, yeah. and yeah. Say, the word, yeah. say the words, Farmer John. <laughs> yes. It's time for Dodger baseball. For Dodger baseball. See, it's like e- everybody I swear, knows every, it. every time I hear that, it was like, you think of summer. You think of summer. Oh, you yeah. think of hot dogs. You think, so he's the unsung Dodger to me. How about you, Derek? You got an unsung Dodger or a Laker? Yeah, still doesn't get enough credit. That's a great question. I'm going to go fair, fairly new school for the Lakers, of course, um, but I got to give it up to Ron Artest. I know he okay. had his issues <laughs> in Indiana, um, yeah. and he was known as a hothead. But quite honestly, if it wasn't for him, he we we probably wouldn't have won that title in 2010, right? Kobe's yeah. Kobe's yeah. last championship, um, our last championship before this most recent one. And he drained that three, and it was awesome. I mean, he even mentioned that Kobe passed him the ball. He couldn't believe it, right? And so I can imagine yeah. <laughs> how much pressure there was for him to sink yeah. that three. So I would say Ron Artest, yeah. but but what you know, but what he's been able to do off the court in regards to mental yeah. health is also huge, yeah. right? He, I was going to figure that up. Man, too. he even auctioned off his championship ring to help raise money for mental health counseling in yeah. schools, right? So, which yeah. of course is huge for the three of us because of our bouts with our mental stability. And so I'd say Ron Artest would be an unsung uh, Laker that I would lean toward. And of course, there's a whole list of old school Showtime Lakers, but yeah. I think for most recent, he's the one that stands out for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, let's go big game James. Yeah. I mean, that's a top that's a top 50 Hall of Fame player, right? All-time player. He's playing with Kareem and Magic. They don't even talk about that no, dude. No, no. But that guy scored 25. That's he right. Scored, he, he would rock in, in, in the finals. And and to to just kind of be I want I'm not gonna say he's treated like chump change, but hey, that's a Hall of Famer. Seven straight all-star games, dude. Yeah. That's enough. You got to respect that. That's right. And then how about this one? Uh, if you guys had to choose between Vince Scully or Chick Hearn, you know, which uh, which L.A. Hall of Fame announcer would you guys choose? Uh, yeah, another hard one. Uh, but because I'm more of a Lakers fan, I'd say Chick Hearn. Yeah. I mean, this dude made a, yeah. Oh, yeah. the most yeah. basketball terminology yeah, just, that we even use today, giggling. right? Yeah, right. It, it's oh, the, right. The game in the refrigerator, the doors closed, the lights out, the, the eggs are cooling, the the butter's getting hard, the jello's jiggling. Butter's getting hard. But you know what? Chick Hearn also came up and he coined the phrases like "air ball." You know, he threw up a brick, and most notably, "slam dunk." Yeah. These are all phrases that we use yeah. today, and he coined these all phrases you too, right? All yeah, you as well. Uh huh. Yeah, yep. the Koopaloo. Yeah. Yep. Picked his pocket. That's another one. Uh huh. Yeah. And then, so, so let's go with you, Kevin. You wanted to want to go on that Vince Scully again, or <laughs> we pretty much uh, answered nope, that. Nope, I'm going okay. with Chick Hearn. Oh, okay. Oh, let's okay. go with Chick Hearn. Let's between let's see. the two. Okay. Let's see what the reason. Right, there we go. Let's being, go. I can remember when I was younger and went to my first Laker game. It was um, so we we had the VIP seats up in the what you before they had the boxes. We had those up there. And I remember going up mm-hmm. there with my dad, and he he. He had with him a small AM radio. Mm. And I said, ah. Dad, you could look right there and listen to the game. And he says, no, you can't have a game without Chick Hearn. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, you can't go wrong with either. But I mean, it's Vince Scully for me. Um, the reason why is because it's synonymous with the summer. Uh, it's yeah. synonymous with me hanging out in my my homeboy Albert's backyard. We're we're grilling Dodger dogs in the <laughs> summer. We're playing baseball. We're you know, and and that's the reason why I choose Vin is because it's daytime as well. Yeah. He has more games over the course of the season. 
chick is mainly more in the night. And yeah, it's just synonymous yeah. with my childhood. Me learning how to hit a fastball. Me learning how to throw a curveball. Some of and these names though, Vince, Chick and Vin. Yeah, and and Vin and Vin Scully on the radio, man, and with the, with the smell of Dodger dogs burning. That's cool. It's like it doesn't get any much better than that. And my tribute to Vin Scully would say, "Before we get to the rest of the show today." <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to have a brand new Instagram page. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you to everyone who has recently connected with us through Instagram. Okay, I'm not Ben Scully. <laughs> but if you're not following us yet, make sure to check us out for news and updates. Our Instagram handle is at breathe.podcast. And I also wanted to take the time to remind everybody to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. You know, give us a five-star rating. Let us know how you're doing. Show us some love. And you could even list out some questions that you may have that you'd like us to address on the show. And we do our best to get them uh, answered in a timely manner. And make sure you hit the subscribe button and get notifications every time we release a new episode. And finally, I also want to encourage you to head on over to our Patreon page under my first and last name, Derek Engoy. And you can specifically support this podcast to help cover, cover some of our costs to keep it running. And you'll get a bunch of different rewards depending on the tiers that you signed up for. $1 a month will help us keep going. There's also the 3 and the 10 and the $20 a month, but each tier has a different reward, like I said, uh, whether they be mm-hmm. poetry, uh, written poetry that I post up, uh, videos of me doing spoken word that will never see the light of day, only on the Patreon page. Uh, Chris has some prints that he'll include as well. So yes, head yes. on. Yep. So head on over. We we just want to say thank you by sending you those rewards for supporting. And again, it's because of your support that we can continue doing this. And so thanks ahead of time for the love. And this week I was able to catch up, you know, with an old friend. You know, it's just one of those special people you're lucky to encounter over the course of your lifetime. You know, it's that friend where no matter how much time passes, it seems as if they hadn't passed. And in our adult life, you know, we were meant to cross paths again. So from baseball cards to poetry to published books, we've keep we've kept uh, in touch. You know, this is my childhood friend, Mike Sonskin, also known as Mike the Poet. But before we go on to the interview, uh, there was some possible questions to discuss, uh, two-parter. Uh, the first question, let's go ahead and let's ask you, Kevin. Um, what is it like when you meet somebody who just understands you at a fundamental level where certain things don't even need to be discussed? It's just understood. I'm actually talking with that person right now. It's Derek. Aw, yeah. thanks. Aw, shucks. Yeah. You owe me five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the true story. I was involved with a Christian band called Blakenstein, for, still involved with it for years. And our stage show, as I had mentioned years ago, months ago, that it's so unusual. I, I play the storyteller and and my family and people just couldn't understand why I wore that kind of costume. And and the first time I met Derek, when, once he, he took over at the branch, I got, I, got, I got to tell him the story of the storyteller, because if he looks on my social media, he'd be he he. he He'd be like, what are you doing? (laughs) And I remember when I walked up and told him that story, you interrupted me half in the middle of it. And you just said, I've got it. I get it. Mm. And, and that was a pivotal point. Just not then just in my life to have somebody that just Mm. understood me because I was, I spent my life so much trying to, to explain myself out of a paper box out of that one, I got so tired of telling the story and it was just so refreshing that you got me. Uh, I get you, Kevin. I get you. <laughs> As I'm so fly. That's why. Or in the words of Wanda like, Maximoff, I just feel you, Kevin. I just feel you. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an R&B song. Doesn't it? <laughs> to, to answer that question at its core, I mean, it, it's, I think it's, it's amazing. Um, without going into any particular example, I think when you meet someone who just understands you, it's, I I guess it's, you're left speechless because at times when you are speechless in a conversation with someone who gets you, it's like, you don't have to say a lot. I'm thinking about a, you know, I got maybe a handful of friends like that. Um, you know, and to piggyback off of you, Kevin, I think the two of you 
you know, are on that list, the short list of people, yeah. you know, who just gets me, right? Like I don't have to Love it. explain myself. Yeah. And, and I think even from the pulpit, you know, Kevin, the short time I was over the branch and some of the things that I preached that maybe were controversial, I think you got it. And then of course, Chris, you and I date back to way what 95. And so, yeah, you know, and you mentioned it last week in the, the previous episode with the band, you know, just, I think, I think about those times where we used to go, like our office was your car or my car and we would just drive, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, place. And, and yeah. And, and not even that we would just drive, we would go to Seven Eleven. we yeah. would get our like a hundred ounce Pepsi yeah. and, and chips. I'm, I'm, I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I still get that by the way. I'm still stuck. I get those anyway. And we would just drive and yeah, we would talk about the songs we were going to write, but I think if anything, we were just you know, we were just connecting right through stories yeah. and through conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's just that spark, you know, when you, when you, when you first, uh, you know, it's like when people starts finishing your, you know, what you think or finishing your actions, it's like, they already kind of know what you're going to think before it's even done. And it's just, it's just pretty awesome. You know, it's a, it makes you look at somebody eye to eye and more importantly, I mean, we're heart to heart, Yeah, you know, it's like this certain chemistry that you build with certain people and there's just no defense. There's no nothing. It's just common bonding and just yeah. being able to understand each other at a fundamental level. Yeah. Another person in my life for that is, a you know, is, is Lester bro. I shout out to Lester. And yeah. Oh yeah. Lester too. It, it was funny. I was in yeah. a toy store and, uh, this past week with my kids and, you know, I know last week we talked about Funko pops and, you know, uh-huh. I, I saw this. So Lester and I are huge, are huge, uh, fans of the, the show friends, uh, maybe not so uh-huh. much now, but I mean, you're talking yeah. about every year for like, however long we can remember part of our Christmas gifts to each other is coming up with surprise gag gifts that the characters uh-huh. on the cast of friends gave each other. Right. So whether, <laughs> so whether yeah. it's like, that's taking like, it to a whole yeah. Dimension. So whether that's it's awesome, like though. windshield wipers, like, like Chandler got the, the crew or, you know, you know, uh, I remember one year he got me a, 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 a gold bracelet with the, uh, the, the phrase, um, best buds engraved on mm-hmm. it because that's what Joey got Chandler. And so yeah. you know, that's our friendship. But so I was in a toy store. And I saw a Funko Pop of Joey Tribbiani in a uh-huh. cow- white cowboy outfit. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I snapped a picture. I sent it back to him with nothing. Like I didn't like like I didn't send a text. I just sent the picture. And he responds back, ombre, uh-huh. because he remembers that episode uh-huh. where Joey was working for uh-huh. this, this perfume or this cologne company called ombre. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, so it's things like that. You know, where 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 you got a friend like that, you can just send random pictures and they get it. You know, and so he would yeah. be he would be another one of those guys for me. Yeah, super deep inside jokes. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. That's right. Okay, so here's another here's 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 let's go to the second part of the question. I mean, so now that we all know the importance of having really good friends and special bonds, you know, with these so-called people that have the keys to our heart. But what I feel is even more special is a sense of community where there's a group or groups of people working and pouring energy towards a common good. Uh, how important is it to you guys to be surrounded in, by or in an environment that is in alignment with your true goals and purpose? Let's go ahead and start with you, Kevin. Extremely important. I mentioned that I work with a convention, Midsummer Scream. Yeah. Yes. You don't just the work com- for them. You are the voice of Midsummer. Yeah, you are Come the on, voice. man. Come stop, on, Kevin. stop selling yourself you are, short. You're fly, right? <laughs> I'm working on my humbleness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on, I'm, I'm just, what am I working on? <laughs> but with, with all that stuff about midsummer, it's mm-hmm. the word community. Yeah. There is so much love within the, all those people that work that convention. It overwhelms you because you've got old, young, my age, you've got that, you've got the community. And, and the minute somebody needs something like they need some help, the entire community mm-hmm. almost goes to help them. And it could be, it didn't, doesn't matter what you look like, all different colors, all different sizes, all different. See, I'm speechless again. Does anybody (laughs) want to hire me as a voice actor when I can't even talk? But it just, that impacts me so much. It it doesn't matter where you come from. It's just that you're a person and they love you. I believe that having community is everything. You know, I never realized how important it was until I made a true, genuine effort 
towards connecting art and spirituality. Yep. And now that I've kind of realized, okay, what's better for me and what's not good for me? Oh, it's so much easier. And now it's like, remember how we were talking about the previous episode, where it's like, I can walk down the street and connect. I don't necessarily need, you know, a certain environment or yes, sometimes they do help, but sometimes I could see, I could just experience God just walking down the street. Yep. And that's, what's awesome. You know? Uh, yeah. And, and, and talking about another guy who understands me at a, at a fundamental level, you know, it's my good friend and poet. Let's go on with that interview. And Professor uh, Mike Sonskin, also known as Mike the Poet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Christian Basil, one of the co-hosts over at the Breathe Podcast. And today, I get to go way back. I'm talking 1988, <laughs> junior high. I'm talking Haskell Mustangs, Cerritos, California. Mm. I mean, we go way back to the point where, I mean, it's the last, it was the last time the Dodgers and the Lakers had won a World Series and a basketball championship. I mean, we we used to collect baseball cards. We used mm. to ride 10-speed bikes, BMX bikes. He was He became a spoken word poet, a published author. I mean... We started linking up at, and we normally we would see each other at nightclubs and this and that. But the thing that I love about Mike is he's a curbside prophet. We would always kind of step over to the side, make sure that there was a little quiet area to kind of talk. And we'd be talking crazy stuff like John Coltrane. We're talking culture. We're talking history. And yeah, this is my boy, Mike Sonskin, also known as Mike the, uh, Mike the Poet. From uh, Monterey, California, uh, English professor, spoken word poet, creative writer, Mike Sonskin. What's up? Man, Chris, what up? Man, <laughs> nice. Chris Mendoza, Christian. Nice to see you, brother. Hey, all good, man. So, I mean, it's been a bit. Let's let's go into our bio to kind of let our audience know who Mike Sonskin is, who, who Mike the Poet really is. You know, like, I was born in Long Beach, mm-hmm. and... Um, my mom's a school, my, she's retired now, but she was a school teacher for 35 years. And my family was real, um, you know, uh, my parents split up super early when I was young. Uh-huh. But um, from zero to 18, I lived in Cerritos. And uh, one of the most influential things for me was was my grandfather who lived in Long Beach. And he lived down by El Dorado Park off Spring Street. Okay. And my grandfather had been born in L.A. in 1918. And he was a real down to earth kind of salt of the earth dude you know and um we were we were really close i was really close to my grandparents they lived you know five minutes south of us and so uh-huh. my grandfather and i would you know take bike rides on the on the on the san gabriel river down to seal beach and mm-hmm. go hang out in el dorado park and um my grandfather was a real storyteller and so he would always tell me stories about LA in the twenties, you know, in the thirties and the forties and the great depression. And he worked on the union Pacific railroad for a while. And my grandfather had a huge influence on me. And so then when I started UCLA shortly after the Rodney King uprisings, uh-huh. yeah, um, or that was our, that was our graduating class that, year. That was our time. Right. Yeah, um, crazy. Right. After that time, I started studying a lot of not only sociology, but Los Angeles history. And I had always loved geography. And as I, I would study and read about, multiculturalism and read about the interaction between different groups and races and, you know, all the political stuff and early nineties hip hop. Uh, I had started writing a lot of poems at that time, but also mm-hmm. it also came back to my grandfather because his stories, everything he told me about growing up and, and his old stories and about riding the streetcar and, and all these things, you know, um, the things that I grew up hearing started meaning that much more. And uh-huh. so, I really, in some ways, I was more of a street poet originally. And I was more, you know, we were in the spoken word scene and we were going to a lot of open mics. And uh, though I got my degree, I was in a lot of ways kind of self-taught as a writer. Then then later on, I went and took a bunch of writing workshops. And after my daughter was born later on, I went and got a master's degree and and did did more of some of the formal stuff. But um, I think originally... I just enjoyed learning and I enjoyed the dialogue, kicking the dialectic, kicking yeah. with people and, and talking. And um, when you talk about how we would run into each other at the root down or firecracker, you know, yeah. for many years, my buddy Phil and I, we would, uh, 
go do poetry. And then after poetry, we'd go perform. We'd go, go to some, go to some after hours spot or go to firecracker, go to uh, the chocolate bar, go to root down. And, and our, a lot of our homies were the DJs and we'd dance and we'd be, we'd hang out late. And uh-huh. it was really poetry and music for a lot of my twenties and really into my thirties. And then, you know, a little bit later, of course, uh, as I started teaching in my early thirties, but uh-huh. uh, I think pounding the pavement and running around the city was a big part of the, of the education. So I've always, I talk to my students. I always say street knowledge and book knowledge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you it's, need it's, bo- you need both. Yeah. It's, it's all about taking it, taking those principles and those fundamentals that you've learned and putting it out in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, let's go ahead and start talking about your, your community workshops uh, that you've been doing. Um, the, the co-host Derek, he also does uh, community workshops and, uh, creative writing workshops. I mean, what kind of effect are you, are you uh, hoping to have on these kids and what have you, have you guys been doing out in your area? The creative writing workshops are so fun. Uh They're one of my very favorite things to do. I, I was in a lot of these creative writing workshops myself back in the day and didn't even realize it. I mean, if you want to take it back to Cerritos in the fourth grade, I had this English teacher named Miss Navarrette. Yes. I wanted you to bring that up. Yeah, I wrote about Miss Navarrette in, in in my book letters to my city. And, yes. and Miss Navarrette um did all these cool little fun writing prompts with us. Yes. And she would tell us, okay, I want you to write for the next five minutes and don't stop. Just write as fast as you can. Uh-huh. And then later on, I, I when I went when I was in grad school, I started reading writing theory and I realized that not only Miss Navarrette, but so a few of my professors over the years had had kind of studied some of this. There was very progressive ideas of, of writing this guy named Peter Elbow and these, uh-huh. these different, different writing theorists. And, um, but Miss Navarrette took a lot of these ideas and brought them down to the level of fourth graders. And, uh-huh. and, uh, but also what I want to get back to is she, she taught that sense of play uh-huh. and you need the sense of play. Yeah. Like the inner child. Yeah, your inner child, whether you're a painter, whether you're a poet, I mean, anybody that taps into, you know, in Buddhism, they talk about the beginner's mind. Yes. You know, that, 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 um, that play, that, that freedom, that spirit. And yeah, so the, the humbleness of like a simple single cell organism almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so like in these writing workshops, you know, maybe in a 90 minute writing workshop, you might even be able to get people to write four or five things maybe mm-hmm. you know sometimes if they really get into it it might be three because they might spend 30 minutes writing something you know and sometimes you get a certain prompt and they might want to write it for 30 40 minutes but there's been other times where maybe we'll just spend 15 20 minutes on a prompt and then have everybody have as many people as possible read their piece out loud and i mean sometimes the workshop is seven eight people sometimes you might have 10 12 people i've taught also workshops where you have 30, you know, 25, 30 people, and depending on how many people you have it in, sometimes you might have a shy group. Maybe not everybody wants to read their work aloud. Yeah. But in a good writing workshop, it's like church. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and people are affirming one another and there's a solidarity about it and it's building community. But also I feel like a lot of times I'm just giving people permission to be free. They've never, they, maybe they had an English teacher that was, too strict and they were so worried about grammar and being perfect that they never learned how to just have fun. And, but if you learn how to kind of have fun with writing, a lot of times some of your best work is going to happen when, when you are free and you know, don't get me wrong. Later on, you can go back and edit and revise yeah. and, and, and be more of a perfectionist. But I think the play and the fun is, is something that a lot of people, um, could stand to rediscover, you know? Yeah. I've, I've kind of noticed that it's like, uh, I, I just recently picked up some students that are kids as well. And yeah, it's like when you, we talked this morning and you were talking about one of the ways I stay not jaded during quarantine is the kids. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I have these artistic kids and yeah, they're, they have that same influence on me. It's like, Hey, I'm going to get rid of those inhibitions. I'm going to pump you up full of encouragement and I'm gonna let you fly. Yeah. It, 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 it is like church. It's just promoting good universal, uh, 
creativity and positivity through other people. Yes. And it's it's like the butterfly effect. Ripples, ripples in a in a, in a lake. I mean, let's go into the into a big question. This is the big one for me for you. Is how is writing and performing poetry and writing books? How is it a spiritual experience for you? You know, we're all we're all connected. We're all yes. we're all one. We're all a link in the chain. I think I, I'm I'm into studying. I'm into I'm into reading, and I'm into really learning and lifelong learning, always trying to learn more. And so for me, a lot of the time, I'm always doing more research and, and um, writing, writing is meditation, writing is a prayer. Uh And, you know, some of the time I also, I give myself permission sometimes to write badly. Like, and and, and who's to say what's good or bad Yes, is, I mean, where there's a lot of, I do a lot of journaling, you know, I write haiku you know, every day I write a few haiku every day, but they don't have to be perfect. And most of them will probably never even be published. Some of them will be here and there. Uh-huh. But, but um, now the articles that I'm writing, the, the, you know, one is for KCT and this other one is for this website called LAist. And when I'm doing stories, like I'm writing about these two women painters right now who are muralists uh-huh. and they're uh-huh. both awesome. And so they both have really uplifting, interesting stories and I'm talking about how they both kind of uh, muralism in a lot of ways has been a male dominated genre of art. Now, this one girl, Sonia Romero, okay, her, fa- her father was Frank Romero, who, uh-huh. who did some of the murals on the 101 freeway. And he, he was a part of Los Ford, uh, the Chica- pioneering Chi- Chicano art collective. Nice. And so Sonia Romero, she went to college for art. She was just paid by Metro to do the mural at Mariachi Plaza in Boyle Heights. Uh-huh. You know, so she does these official civic civic projects where uh-huh. she was commissioned by the city and she was selected from a group of artists to do it because uh-huh. of her. But anyway, um, I'm writing about Sonia Romero and Christy Sandoval. And these, these are two women that um, are both mothers and they're both in their late 30s and they're both really awesome artists. But uh, uh-huh. so how in a way it's a spiritual practice is that I'm I'm not only working on painting them and they're in their they're they're already awesome so I don't have to they're I'm just doing my best to have the integrity to really present them in all their grandeur you know uh-huh. and so like like one of the things I like to do as a journalist uh-huh. is, is is profile people and spotlight people and uh-huh. so I am an optimist but I also think I have a capacity to recognize the 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 beauty of people and 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 their talents and so one of just like the food critic Jonathan Gold only wrote about restaurants that he loved uh-huh. I I write about artists and neighborhoods and most you know sometimes sometimes I'll write an article about uh-huh. some something that's that needs to be fixed like there was a time that, um, there was this these real estate developers were trying to take over this 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 uh, retirement home and build some condos there. So I've done some stories like that too, but I, a lot of time, a lot of what I write is about people that are doing really amazing things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes these are people that haven't gotten as much shine or they're, they're maybe lesser known or, or they're, they're kind of the blue collar underground hero, you know? Uh-huh. And, and, and so part of my spiritual practice is, celebrating these people and and i've been lucky enough to have a platform and have some different publications yeah. that that want me to write for the for those publications and and so i i do my best to use the platforms that i have to to honor and celebrate people and so that's a part of it but also i do i do pray like before i i write a piece mm. oh that's something i do too uh that's one way i guarantee that my my practice is pure, is just to say, hey, I'm just going to devote this to introspection, meditation, and prayer. Mm-hmm. And whatever comes out, hey, I don't even care. I'm centering mm-hmm. myself. You know, mm-hmm. that's I like I like what you said there. That's exactly it. And so I've I've prayed before, like, okay, um, yeah, let me make let me do this in a way in which it it captures the best light. And mm-hmm. tells the narrative in a way that is compelling, but yeah. that also can be inspirational to people. Yeah. Let me go ahead and ask you this, Mike. I mean, so what's it feel like when you perform? Because I used to perform music and people would ask me and I would tell them, 
man, everything's in slow motion. Nothing even matters. I mean, I'm nearsighted. Sometimes I don't even see the audience. I'm just seeing energy and, you know, I mean, what's it feel yeah. like to you? Because I know you have, sta- like, you have tons of stage experience. Celebrate, you know, I'm alive in Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm alive in Los Angeles, you know, yeah. being um to being in, in being in tune with the frequency of of the of the the symphony of the city, you know, and yeah. so it's the vibration. Maybe it's like surfing, you know, mm-hmm. trying to ride the wave and um definitely about the vibration. So so what are some of the differences, you know, between teaching the community, community workshops, as opposed to some of your college students? I mean, are there major differences or, I mean, what would you, what do you You see? know, on a really good day, they can be a lot alike. Uh-huh. Woodbury, where I teach now, uh-huh. my, my teaching experience is actually pretty divided where it's been like about half high school and half college. Uh-huh. But then I've done a million and one little workshops with, from fourth graders to senior citizens to... Uh-huh. After school programs and you know a lot of teenagers. Um, right now, I'm teaching a lot of undergrads, you know. But it's, sometimes there's some people in the undergrad that are coming back to school in their 30s and 40s. But um, I I enjoy being in a classroom, and I also see one of my roles as a as as a kind of an instigator, a catalyst, an, an initiator. I'm somebody who introduces them into, into an author. Like for mm-hmm. example, today we were talking about graffiti art Okay. and we were talking about uh, th- this book, the city beneath. This is a book by Susan Phillips. Oh, I got to keep that out. It's a history of 100 years of Los Angeles graffiti. Mm-hmm. And she was in this book. She says like, you know, only like 5% of graffiti is about gangs. She's like, sometimes there was, yeah, now it is. There was, so many people that wrote graffiti besides just gangsters. I mean, there was, uh, you know, hobos on, on, but on, on trains that wrote graffiti. soldiers. So the military dude, soldiers, there were queers, there were, um, you know, surfers that wrote graffiti. Yeah. There were, there were people in the film industry that were grips mm-hmm. that worked in these recording, these studios and they would write on the, you know, on the props and, you know, and, and, and so many different people that wrote graffiti, but, um, so they read a little excerpt of this today, but half of the class, some of the kids are Woodbury where I teach has a really good game art program uh-huh. and game design and game art are these new majors that didn't even really exist 15, 20 years ago. But now, as you know, the video game industry is so lucrative that, you know, the video games make more money than film now. Oh, it's ridiculous. I've seen, I've seen uh, some of those video games sell out the Staples Center, Madison Square Garden. I mean, these are million dollar stages, multi-million dollar mm-hmm. stages. So, you know, I, I was talking to the students about, about graffiti today and, and about art. And um, we watched a little clip of my buddy Mir, one of a mural he painted. Oh, Actually, man. Painted. Yeah, we'll talk about Mir a little. Yeah, let's talk about Mir. I mean, Mike, I mean, we were talking about Project Bloat in an earlier episode. I mean, we were talking about Watts to Lamert Park. I mean, Derek and I, we're, we're huge hip hop fans. I mean, we're all about Freestyle Fellowship, Project Bloat. One of your other homeboys is cut chemist. I mean, Michael, the only three people I've seen with Mike, white, the white people with Mike are his mom, cut chemist, and Mir One. I mean, this guy's super multicultural. I mean, Mir One's like crazy. I mean, he's a he's a crazy graph artist. I mean, how how do you know him? You know, I got, I mean, it's funny because Mir One, I I I'd heard of who I'd heard of him from the late 90s. Uh-huh. Um and I remember my buddy Phil. We were at Pink's Hot Dogs and Mira was doing a mural across the street. Uh-huh. And Phil had already knew who he was. And he was like, that, that dude's one of the most famous graph writers in LA. And this was like 98, 99. Yeah, Mira one is think, amazing. I don't think we even met him until 02, 03 or something. But when I met him, you no, know, it was funny because it was a girl I was good friends with. And she was friends with him. And she was like, you know what? You two would get along. And she was totally right. And we yeah. met him. And he lived in Echo Park at the time. And I used to host this poetry event at this spot called 33 and a third books in Echo Uh Park. And we hosted an event there for a good three, four years. And he started coming through and Mir secretly wrote poems just a little bit, Uh but he, he wrote like he wrote poems about graffiti and he wrote poems about 
politics and wrote poems about um, LA. And, and so we all started hanging out together from these poetry events. And um, he had a buddy named Yem and Yem uh, stood for Y times energy equals motion. Uh-huh. And uh, there was this, the, we had a collective called the poets of the round table and it was a mixture of poets, some graffiti writers, some singer songwriters, uh, some DJs. Uh-huh. And I think it, we all really came together at the time around around poetry and late night after hours and after the poetry event, we'd go to somebody's house and um, everybody would just hang out. And, you know, Mira is a really good guy. Hey, Mike, there was something I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, let's talk about Letters to My City. Your most current, is that your, is that your most recent published book? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, my homeboy Mike, I saw him, one of the last times I saw him, he was at the Cerritos Library. He reserved, he, he received a key to the city from the mayor due to his book and like his contributions, uh, being a teacher, being a spoken word poet. I mean, you even give tours in downtown LA. I mean, what was that like? You know, tour guiding was one of those serendipities was one of those uh, kind of like accidental coincidence that, and, and, you know, I guess obviously it wasn't a coincidence, but when I graduated from UCLA, when I was 23, I didn't want to get a corporate job. Uh-huh. I wanted to do, I wanted to get a writing job, but nobody wants to hire you as a writer when you're 23, you know, unless, uh-huh. you know, your dad's a publisher or something, uh-huh. you know? So um, I was looking up for job, the online job hunting just started at the time and it was like 97. And I saw this ad about, we're looking for recent college graduates that love history and geography. And, you know, I'd already loved history and geography at that time. So uh-huh. I, I applied for this job and it was to be a tour guide to drive from L.A. to San Francisco to the Grand Canyon and Vegas and Bryce and Zion and um, Lake Tahoe and Yosemite. And so it was these five and six day trips where you would travel up and down the West Coast. And so I got that job. And during that time, I started writing all these poems about I'd already written some poems about L.A., but I started writing poems about California and the coast and Grand Canyon in Arizona. And um, I had a lot of fun doing it. And and when I would be gone for a week at a time, but whenever I'd come home, my buddy Phil and I would perform poetry at open mics. Uh-huh. And um, eventually I got tired of going out of town all the time. So I started doing local city tours. And also for a little while, I was I was a music journalist. And I mean, I still write about music here and there, but I, I started uh, writing record reviews and this and that. But of the various hustles I had, there were none of them that were as fun as giving city tours. So at, uh, at a time, I, I worked for several years for Redline tours, doing walking tours on Hollywood Boulevard, walking tours down Broadway and downtown LA, yeah. and going to the Bradbury Building and the Central Library and the top of City Hall and Disney Concert Hall. And on the tours, I started doing my poems about LA. And quite often there would be a teacher on the tour and the teacher started inviting me to classes. And then I started coming. That's how the whole way I started even doing community workshops and teaching and writing workshops was somebody would say, Hey, you wrote a, you wrote a cool poem about, about LA. Can you come into our class and have our students write their own LA poem? And so I started coming in and being like, all right, you're going to write a poem about the city and use your five senses. And what's your favorite food? And you know, where, where's some place you went to with your grandmother, you know, uh-huh. and so it just started having. And a monster these, was born. Yeah. These prompts, <laughs> the monster was born. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it's like, it's like how a graph artist or even, you know, how they talk about that urge to just get something out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of starting to feel that too. I mean, Hey, let's get back to your book letters to my city. You know, let's talk about how how you got a key to the city from from the city of Cerritos. I mean, and growing up in Cerritos, you know, what was that like for you? Man, you know, it was really cool, and it's funny because I haven't done a whole lot of poetry in Cerritos. Like uh-huh. I, um, that library doing the thing at the Cerritos Library, and I, I, you know, I did a recently. I did a Zoom presentation for Whitney High School, which was uh-huh. kind of cool. Yeah, but um, um, really, uh. You know, shout out to Mayor Mark Polito because uh, he's a really good dude and, and he was, you know, was very, very, um, hosp- you know, very warm, very cool. And uh, yeah. um, also DJ Rhett Maddock from the Bee Junkies, you know, yeah. Rhett, um, 
in some ways, you know, I got to know Mark Polito really through Red and, uh-huh. uh, and, the, and the Visionaries. I just did the liner notes for the new Visionaries record. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, we got, we're talking Visionaries. We got NASA crew, Beat Junkies. I mean, mm-hmm. we had a little hip hop mecca in Cerritos. You know, you know what? Uh, we had dance crew. A lot more of a hip hop mecca in Cerritos than people realize. And, yeah. Um, let's talk about that. Shout out to the Pinoy contribution too, because it was big time, you know, Filipino DJs, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, the beat junkies, there's J-Rock and there's and there's Melo D, who's who's Chicano, who's also from Cerritos. But um, you know, the the heart and soul of the beat junkies is is Pinoy too, man. You know, Filipino yeah. DJs, but from Cerritos. And so so let me go ahead, let's go ahead and switch gears. I mean, we're in the middle of lockdown. I know we're talking about positive stuff, but I mean, how how have you been able to kind of stay creative during lockdown and and how how has it become therapeutic for you i will say this when, when the quarantine and the lockdown really really started in last march of 2020 yeah. i went into a super deep reading phase i've all i'm always a reader anyway i'm mm-hmm. always reading you know a couple of books you know, there was some of these weeks I was reading two, three, four books a week. And I mean, I, I literally read like 60 books and like, uh, we're talking like wow. 300 page books. Like uh, it's, it's been, you know, a lot of, a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and tell the audience. I mean, what your social media is. Uh, yes, let's sir. talk about your handle and all that. And then uh, I'll have, I have a couple more qu- or I'll have one more question and we'll get onto this lightning round. At, at Mike, the Pote LA. Mm-hmm. Instagram at Instagram at Mike Depot LA and at Twitter at Mike Depot LA. All right. So, uh, so let's, let's go ahead with this big question. I mean, what do you have to say to the person who may not have the confidence to display their creativity or take it to the next level? We need everybody's voice. Everyone's voice matters. And, And, you know, nobody, nobody's voice is more important than anybody else's and there's room for everybody. And so I say to anybody out there that, that's been thinking about sharing their work, but they haven't yet go for it and do it. But, you know, also in the process of doing it, you'll, you'll find your tribe. Uh Like there are a lot of venues and there are a lot of spaces and there are a lot of people. And to find other like-minded folks is, is not only empowering, you know, it's a way of affirming your values and your identity. Um, I agree. It's it's a lot of fun. Gives you the confidence to do other things. The the art community, the music community, the poetry community can be a pretty welcoming place. Hey Mike, so are you kind of down to do a lightning round? You know, let's go. <laughs> All right, lightning round question one: Vince Scully or Chick Hearn? Both. <laughs> Seeing your student shine or the perfect performance as a poet? Both. Obi or magic? Magic. Okay. Published book or signature poem? Both. <laughs> fellowship? Freestyle fellowship or the far side? Man. <laughs> I know what I would have. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to that one later. Anthony Bourdain or Neil Tyson Degrassi? This is totally off of that. You know, I know Bourdain better, so I'll go with Bourdain because I don't know. Um, Tyson Degrassi. Okay, how about Pinks or Philippe? I don't know him that well. You Pinks know, or Philippe's? Pinks, just because I went there more. Okay, uh, Coach Wooden or the Dalai Lama? <laughs> <laughs> you know who I like better than both of them? Who? I mean, I like Coach Wooden a lot, and I like the Dalai Lama a lot. But no questions at all I like is Tick Not Han. Okay, there we go. Okay, how about this one? Community or community? Community or community? Yeah. Community. Okay. How about compassion or love? Same. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. Mike the Poet, everybody. And let's go ahead and give him your Instagram handle again. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Mike the Poet LA and uh, at Mike the Poet LA. And, you know, here's a little um, eight lines real quick. Okay. All right. All right. Build the bridge, lay down the bricks, fill in the ridges, stack the sticks, feed the fire, consider the cost, take it up higher, the city is ours. LA! Mike Sodskin, baby. (laughs) Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, brother. Okay, guys, so yeah, that was Mike the Poet. Um, 
one of the points I'd like to bring up is passing of the general talents and skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about his grandpa and yeah. how that, you know, his, his grandpa's picturesque storytelling ended up evolving into him doing those LA tours and those LA tours ended up having Mike become a poet. And the next thing you know, he's teaching and then a monster is born. I mean, it just came from just pure passion, pure dedication, just the purity of it. And now he's like, look at him now. I mean, he's a professor, published, published writer. I mean, he's got, he's a staple of the LA spoken word scene. And yeah, I'm just proud of the guy. I mean, uh, are there any other points that you guys uh, wanted to bring up? I mean, Derek, I mean, you're, you're a creative workshop, you know, uh, instructor, teacher. I mean, he is too. I'm pretty sure that that connects with you. Well, yeah, because I, he does it too. I think you mentioned the, his trajectory from learning from his grandpa and becoming, you know, this LA tour guide to becoming a writer. But the the one part that you were headed towards is, you know, this this aspect of journalism that uh, you know that one of the hats that he wears, and he's right. You know, he's written for these different publications, and the ability to tell the stories that uh, you know he has been able to do and continues to do was really intriguing for me because you know i'm sure our our journeys are similar but slightly different mm-hmm. with mine yes you know i got my degree in journalism but i didn't immediately pursue journalism as my mm-hmm. career in fact i just put it on pause and dove into ministry but yeah. you know that side of me i think laid dormant for mm-hmm. a while until you know in many ways with poetry and, 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 and writing, it, it came alive. But even now, like I'm freelancing for, you know, a publication, it, I could just imagine, and, and this is where the connection with Mike was very intriguing for me is, so for the way I process is, yes, I'm telling stories about different investors and different, you know, administrators and executive leaders of the company, but I'm always trying to get the story behind the story when I interview these people, you know, I try to dig deeper and I imagine Mike, whomever he's interviewing, whether it's an author or whether it's an LA great, whether it's someone, you know, in the fabric of Los Angeles, I imagine he's just really digging. And you can hear that in the interview, even when he's talking with you because he's an avid reader, because, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's, he comes across as this patient guy. He wants to write. And, you know, when, when he talked about reciting poems while he was giving yeah. the L.A. tours, uh, yeah. was phenomenal. That's to pretty me. nuts, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, he didn't have to do that. <laughs> no. Like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> but again, it's it's the part of his brain where he wants yeah. to capture the story. And he's able to capture mm-hmm. stories from, you know, Joshua Tree or whenever he goes hiking to uh-huh. walk in the streets of L.A. Again, he's trying to tell a story. And, um, that, that's one thing that I connected very well with because in my writing and my life, I try to capture stories too. And that's whole, the, you know, that's the whole reason of this podcast is we're creating Mm -hmm. a platform for people to tell their stories. You know, it's not just us bantering, it's bringing guests on to tell their life story. And that's the one thing that resonated well with me with, uh, with Mike. Well, for me, it was the word connection again. I I really enjoy the part about honoring your elders. That's what I think yeah. about talking to the grandfather. Yeah. It's really important to do that. And then you only have a short time sometimes to do that. And then you don't want to live your life in regret, wishing you would have. It made me think of a time that I was learning just about how to do connection and voiceover. And I remember being a student at, at Del Mar Media Arts in Irvine. And they had us do an exercise called cold read where you had you walked into the studio you had 10 seconds to look at the script and then you had to perform it. And wow. so I did it. I did it. And the instructor was, who was very harsh, she comes on and all she says was, no, do it again. And that cut low, if you know what I mean, as far as your, your ability to do that. And she said, take a second, think of a story. You have 10 seconds, read it again. And I read it again. I thought I messed it up again. And the mic turned on and everybody was clapping. Mm-hmm. And it comes on and says, what did you do different? And I, I really couldn't come up with an idea, but somehow I connected. And here's what mm-hmm. the story I came up with. I said, I like ZZ Top. I like 
Billy Gibbons. I like his music. I was trying to sell a motorcycle to Billy Gibbons. And I didn't hear any big difference, but apparently I knocked it out of the park and it was just about that connection. That's mm-hmm. the first time I was able to make a connection through voiceover. And I realized that's what I need to do. And my voiceover coach nowadays says, connect, connect, mm-hmm. connect. Well, one of the things that, that I liked that he mentioned was, I mean, he's Buddhist. We didn't even really talk about it all that much because we were just talking about the, the poetry and everything. Yeah. But he was talking about the praying before writing. Mm. And, and in Buddhism, they call it the beginner's mind. Yeah. And, and I kind of jumped in there and I was like, dude, that's like the humility of Christianity at the same time. Yeah. And it's kind of cool that we both reach that common ground that we're both praying before, during, and then boom, we have whatever we have. And it's like it almost doesn't even matter what comes out because you centered yourself, you're connecting yourself to the divine. And man, that's that's what it's all about right there. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think I... I wouldn't go as far as to say I pray before every poem that I uh-huh. write, but as I mentioned, mm-hmm. I believe it was last week, but mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned being able to connect with God and mm-hmm. you know, what's interesting about my prayers is that they've become very over the years. They went from, and I shared my experience last week about me being, you know, being able to speak in songs and connecting uh-huh. with God in some ridiculous level that I had never experienced before. But from that that point, I think it was what I said, 2002 or three till now, my prayer language with God has gotten very childlike in mm-hmm. that I can go to God and say, what up pops? Thanks. And yeah. that's it. That's my prayer. And I know that he, you uh-huh. know, God appreciates that. And God, yeah. you know, doesn't think any less of me that I'll go to him like that. And over the years, I felt like, you know, I don't need to complicate things. Yeah. You know, as I'm writing, you know, to tie it back to what Mike was talking about and how he centers himself in Buddhism before he he writes a piece, yeah. I, I try to do that throughout the writing, where yeah. as I'm writing, I'm checking in with Pops, Papa God, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, especially if it's a poem written to God or about God, mm-hmm. I constantly check in and I am careful to listen because I think a lot of times we look at prayer as this monologue and we don't shut our mouths long enough to actually listen to what God has to say. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've intentionally tried to keep my prayer short so that I can listen to God. Cause a lot of times we're like, Hey God, I need this. And I I need your answer for this. And God, what do I do with this? God help me in Jesus name. Amen. And we walk away. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like God is up there thinking like, wow, I wanted to answer your prayer, but you walked away. Like, like you didn't give me a chance to, to, to respond, you know? And so for me, it's, you know, my prayer and it's how I'm able to pray, right? The the Bible says to pray without Mm -hmm. ceasing. Yeah. I I think that's, that's how I've been able to pray is to keep them pray without ceasing. And that's how I'm able to pray throughout the day is because I keep it short. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, whether I'm at a stoplight or whether I'm walking to get some ice cream down the street or, Whether I'm bike riding, you know, it's a God. And it's not always asking him for things. Even Uh, when I'm writing my poems, I'm not asking him for things. Yeah, it's like, hey, thanks for this line. Wow, this is fire. Like, thanks, Lord. Like, this is, these are some bars right here. smallest little thing. Yeah. Like, hey, this this song popped up on the radio. Thank you. Yeah. You know, just little things like that. Yep. I think what you're talking about is really key because it's sometimes our answer is so simple, we miss it. So for me, it becomes, my prayer life is similar to Derek. Sometimes all I really want to say is look up at the sky and go, hi. And then for 30 minutes, just sit there. I just think about two songs that, uh, which in your previous conversation is, I think about a song by Jeff Moore in the distance called One Candle. And another song is by the Newsboys called Something Beautiful. Uh, if you would look those up, it, it, it those two songs talk about exactly what you're talking about connection and being beautiful. And, and both songs make me cry every time I listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, well, in closing, I mean, I'd just like to say about Mike, Hey man, thanks for being a, a, a really great teacher to the community, reaching out, uh, being a multicultural guy, not being afraid to pound the pavement, going to Levert park, going to Watts as a white dude, you know, <laughs> That's right. like you, 
it takes a lot of guts to do that. And not only does he do it, he does it good, you know, and yeah, we need more people like you, Mike. So keep doing it. Hey, thanks again, guys, uh, for the great discussion. (laughs) And then for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in this week. We do this not just for ourselves. That's for sure. I mean, although we get a lot out of bantering with each other and, and talking with each other, we get a lot out of it. And if we did it just for us, that's fine. But Hey, we really do this for you guys. We want to provide you great stories of, of creatives in the community. We want to encouragement. Yeah. Encouragement. We want to create a platform for other people to share their stories. So thank you. Thank you again for tuning in this week. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see you on Instagram at breathe.podcast. And also again, as we say every week, if you're moved in any way, head on over to our Patreon page. There's some great rewards, great tiers that you can be a part of. And we talked about community today, and that's a little community that's being birthed there on the Patreon support page. So head on over to that. And of course, until next time, be the light, extend your hand in love and make peace with someone this upcoming week. Stay blessed. Catch you next time. Peace.